0: with me to 2nd Timothy chapter 2 we're going to look at the book of Timothy 2nd Timothy chapter 2 this morning <clears throat> the month of September we are going to focus on the purpose and mission of this church and what I want to share with you this morning is the stance that we're going to take <clears throat> the purpose of Christ Community Church is to make disciples, is to effectively impact our community by making disciples of Christ. And so if we are growing in the power and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, the natural outcome of that is it's going to bear fruit that will impact the people around us. Because you can't grow closer to Jesus and more like Jesus without having the impact of Jesus. Does that make sense to you? And so that's what we're looking for. Well, in the book of Timothy, Paul is writing to Timothy as a son of the faith. Paul brought Timothy to faith, and he calls him his son, and he wants to speak to him about leadership. Now, the minute that all of you got saved, you became leaders. Though you may be babes in Christ, you're still leaders because the rest of the world is blind, but now you have eyes to see, you see, and so I'm going to speak to you as leadership, people who are leaders. As soon as you were born of God's Spirit, you became a king. You became a priest. You became a prophet. Now, you'll grow in this fullness of stature and wisdom with God and men in those offices, but immediately you you received those offices. Because once you were blind, now you can see. Once you were lame, now you can walk, spiritually speaking. And so you have all become leaders in your home, in your schools at your jobs, because you have the very abiding presence of the God of this universe. And so, as Paul is going to be talking to Timothy, he's talking to Timothy about being a good leader and a good instructor. And so, I want to teach you how to become a leader in the kingdom of God. And I want to teach you how to follow the true Christian life. Not an American Christian life, but a true Christian life. I like this saying here that Jesus saves us from the American dream. The American dream has entangled and captured the church. Now, there's nothing wrong with the sense of rugged individualism and pursuing the liberties of life and joy and happiness, but the minute we become more important than God and our liberties become more important than the kingdom of God We've got a problem. And so I want to teach you what it means to live the real Christian life. And so as you've turned to 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul gives us three illustrations very simply to help us understand what a Christian walk should look like. And I want to take you there. Uh, 2 Timothy 2, starting at verse 1. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. So what he's saying is this. Number one thing is, as a son of the faith, there's always this birthing of new lives. And we're to be discipling new believers. So Paul said, Hey, I shared all my teaching and all my stuff with you among all the brethren, and you received it. You became my son. Now, all that I am teaching you, I want you to find someone that's reliable that you could teach these things to. And this is how our faith propagates, this is how our faith continues. You share and disciple other believers. You were not born again to be an isolated person. The the job of the Christian is to be saved and then to share that grace with other people and to help them understand what Christianity is all about, what the love of the Lord Jesus is all about. And that's what Paul's saying. Now he says, okay, in order to do this, let me share with you these three qualities in Christianity that will draw people to you and that will win over the enemy. He says this in verse 3. Endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. Similarly, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not receive the victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of his crops. Reflect on what I am saying for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. Let's ask for God's insight. Father, we ask you that as we look at these qualities within the Christian life, I, Father, I ask that your Spirit would teach us and give us insight in our own lives as to what needs to be changed or altered or growing that we may walk in maturity. So help us now, Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, so the first quality, he says, is we need to be like soldiers. Soldiers. We're all used to being sheep. We all like being God's little sheep and lambs, right? Who doesn't love the 23rd Psalm? The Lord is my shepherd and so forth. And so the church often refers to itself as the sheep of God's pasture which is true our relationship with the Father and with Jesus Christ is as sheep we hear his voice his sheep hear his voice and know and follow where he leads that's all true but in relationship to the world the church is called an army we're to be soldiers we're in a war but we're not at war with people we're in a spiritual war and we have spiritual weapons and we have spiritual army Armor and you need to be aware of this because if you're not aware that you're in a war, you're gonna get beat up, beat up bad. We tend to forget that we are on a battlefield and that we have to endure hardship like good soldiers. You don't quit, an army doesn't advance when half of them run away. An army has to be solid and secure and firm and work together. And we have to understand that we have an enemy and that enemy wants to devour us. Now there's nothing nice about that. Paul tells us that there is, well it's Peter, Peter tells us that there is an enemy prowling like a lion who wants to devour you. Does that sound polite? This is war. He is out to devour you and shred you from limb to limb. You prayed today at the altar and an enemy wants to rob you from any blessing God has for you. He wants to rip it out of your hands, rip it out of your soul any way he can. This is war. And so you need to be a good soldier. And so as a good soldier, you need to wear the armor that you've been given. You look at this soldier. Would you go into battle without a gun? Would you go into battle without a helmet, without the proper boots and and what you need in order to fight this fight? No. And so God has given us weapons of warfare by which we should not be fooled by the enemy because we know his tactics and his schemes. And we have weapons that Paul says will absolutely demolish every stronghold. That's a powerful weapon. But you have to know how to use it and you have to be carrying it. Now you've been issued all of this warfare equipment the minute you got saved. Standard equipment, standard issue. You've got a sword that's double-edged that'll cut away an enemy with one slice. But you've got to pick it up. You've got a shield of faith that'll quench every fiery dart. But you've got to be ready to quench the darts. Do you know how often every day the enemy is shooting dow- dow- Can't even say it. Darts of lies into your mind and into your soul. You're such a loser. You can't do this. You've sinned again. God doesn't love you. God loves other people but not you. God will never use you. You're not good enough. Anybody get shot with those arrows? There's a shield of faith by which we have got to resist those fiery darts because a fiery dart will begin to burn everything it hits. And so we've got to be good soldiers. So the Christian has to understand, number one, he's in a war. And he says this about a soldier. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. In other words, a soldier that gets distracted gets dead. Right? You can't be distracted by the things of this world. We can't afford to be distracted by all these activities. And how many of you know that's the main weapon of the enemy? Distraction. Distraction. You can do it tomorrow. Don't call them today. You know that person you wanted to tell about the Lord? Don't, you know what? Give it a week. Wait. Distractions, distractions, distractions. You don't need to serve the Lord today. You need to make more money. Right, But there's distractions in this world that come at us. And Jesus talked about it as a matter of fact. And He says, don't get entangled with these distractions. He said, now he who received seed among the thorns is he who hears the word. And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches chokes the word and he becomes unfruitful. This is a person who didn't get saved. This is a person where salvation did not come to fruition. They heard the word of God. They received it. They were, they were there and they heard what Jesus was saying. They said, oh, this makes sense. This is really hitting me. And I think maybe I need to pursue this. But, oh, you know what? Jeez, I, I forgot about the bills and I got to do this and I got to do that. And Oh, you know, uh, honey, let's go on vacation. Let's, let's go here. Let's go there. And, gee, I don't know if I want to do that. Commit to Jesus when, well, I'm focused on too many other things. And the cares of this world choked off. salvation that was offered and they didn't act upon it now that's a distracted person distracted by the cares and the activities of this world look at what jesus said if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother and wife and children brothers and sisters yes and his own life also he cannot be my disciple what whoa now wait a minute All right, I know enough Bible to know that this is a contradiction. Jesus contradicted the Bible. He contradicted the the law, the Ten Commandments. Don't the Ten Commandments say that you're supposed to love your mother and father and honor them and obey them? Jesus just contradicted it. Now, what is Jesus trying to say here? It's a form of language called an hyperbole. A hyperbole is an exaggerated statement of comparison. It's exaggerated to get your attention to recognize that if you have more concern about what your mother and father think, if you have more concern about what your brother or sister think compared to what Jesus says, then you are not fit to be His disciple. Ultimately, He says, if you're more concerned about you than you are being obedient to Him, You are not a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Ooh, that's tough. But that's what Jesus meant when He said it. You see, when you come to the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation, you come because you recognize He will be your only source for eternal life. There is no other way of salvation. You can't do it. You can't set yourself free. You know how many people in other lands and other territories whose parents don't want them to come to Jesus? There are those who are of Hindu or, or Buddhist descent and uh, Islam, and they hear the gospel, and they know that if they would commit their lives to the gospel, their parents would disown them. And what does Jesus say about that? Who do you love? Who do you love? What is truth? Truth transcends familia, family relationship. Truth transcends brotherhood. Truth transcends emotional attachment. He says, "You need to come unto me." And so, a soldier will carry out his duty because his commander has given an order. How many of you have ever heard "Semper Fi"? Do we have any marines here? Okay, semper fi. What does it mean? Yeah, it's right there. <laughs> Fidelity. Eternal, always always faithful. That's what a soldier is. Someone who is faithful, who will obey the orders and the commands of his master. Now, who is our master? We gave up our lives, remember? And so a good Christian, a good soldier, will do what his master has commanded. Now, we are under one command since Jesus left. And that command is this. All authority has been given unto me in heaven and in earth and below the earth. Now, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. That's the order we are under until he comes back. And so as good soldiers, nothing will distract us or detour us from that order and that command. Everything we are doing in our lives to provide enough for a house and a home and a family and cars is so that we will be productive Christians bringing this gospel to this neighborhood and to our lives. We've got to get the right perspective on this, brothers and sisters. We get caught up in the American dream. We get caught up in the job situation and the finance situation and the car situation and the kids' situation and the marriage situation so that we're juggling all that and we forgot the order of our commander. No, the reason I have a job is so that I can supply and make a home and have enough for a car to get where I need to so that I can do all that's necessary for the kingdom of God and raise godly children so that we can win the lost to the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes you need to readjust. How many of you know that? And as good soldiers, we need to readjust. Well, the quality of a good soldier is semper fi. You will be faithful to your job and to your task. That's what makes a good soldier. Could you imagine if, okay, the commander comes down, he's got his troops. Okay, everybody, we're going to take that hill. The enemy has entrenched himself over and that hill, we're going to take it. Are you ready? All right, soldiers, stand at attention. Let's go. What's wrong with you? I'm not going. What do you mean you're not going? (laughs) Well, he said something about me and I'm pretty upset about it are you talking about and so another guy he's 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 bold enough and he comes he says well I'm not going either what do you mean you're not going well I'm offended what are you offended by you didn't say good morning to me yesterday <laughs> are you kidding me no that hurts I've had a I've, I, I had a sergeant that didn't do that before too and so this is the second time I'm just I'm not going The enemy is here and they're taking souls and destroying lives. Let's get it together, people! Think of the church. Think of how many excuses we have for falling apart. The pastor didn't say good morning to me last week. Maybe he didn't see you. I'm offended because someone else has talked about me. We're in a war, people. We're in a war, and he's talking to Timothy to remind him, you're seated in the heavenlies, Timothy. We are, as a people are seated in the heavenlies, and there is a war going on. Do you know what it means to be seated in the heavenlies? Being seated in this heavenlies is that we are above the situation on the earth. Therefore, when you are looking from the view of God and looking down, you're, see, you're seeing through the second heavenlies where the prince of the power of the air is so when you are looking on every situation you are seeing the dynamic of the enemy's involvement you we have got to get ourselves into the mindset that we are seated in heavenly places with authority to do the warfare that's necessary so when you're praying and when you're caring about someone you're not just looking at them but you understand that there is an enemy at work that there is demons and activity behind there. A good soldier understands the weapons of his warfare. You're not just praying for them, God help them, fix them, but you're also taking off the work of the enemy and breaking the bindings that he's put on you. Because you're seated in heavenly places. You've got radar. You've got all that the army needs to see into the realm of the enemy. Amen. So brothers and sisters, being good soldiers, you need to be faithful to the command that the Master has given you. And so we must please our commander, the Lord Jesus Christ, so a soldier is forever faithful. No matter what offense has come your way, no matter what foolishness may have happened at a, a church, this church, whatever church, let's stay in the fight. Amen? Let's recognize what's going on here. And so good soldiers will be ready for, for battle. He then goes on to the next one, and he talks about an athlete, doesn't he? And he says this, an athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. So how many of you watched the Olympics? Anybody watch the Olympics while they were on? That was pretty cool, all those different events and all that. That's, you, know, you never get to see that. We usually watch football, basketball, and baseball. So I like when there's all these different kind of events on. And I was watching this one, and it was running. It was track and field. And this guy was running, and you know they have to run around the track. And so as he's coming around in his lane, he, I think he even won, but he got disqualified, how many of you know? And the reason was his toe touched the line. He didn't stay in his lane. Toe-touched the line. Do you know how much they have to practice running at top speed to make sure that they stay accurate and in their lane? They don't jump too early. They don't jump too late. Do you know how much discipline it takes to be an athlete who will win? They have to be well-trained and disciplined. One error could be fatal. And so what Paul's saying is I need good soldiers, good soldiers who will be faithful to their commander. And second, I need athletes who will not cheat, who are so well-disciplined and well-trained that they will accomplish their task. You can't cheat. There's no cheating in Christianity. You can't cheat at righteousness. That doesn't make sense, does it? But it happens all the time. So many frauds in Christianity. All you got to do is dress right, talk right, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, praise God, brother, sister, hallelujah. <laughs> but they live like the devil all week long. You, you're not cheating. You're not fooling anybody. Give me a break. There's no cheating in righteousness. <laughs> God needs a people who are ready to be well-trained and disciplined in their faith, who will present themselves to God as workmen who are not ashamed at rightly dividing the Word of God. It's going to take work, brothers and sisters. This is, Christianity has become an opinion in America. It was never meant to be an opinion. It's a way of life. It is an identity that you have become. Like Christ, like because the nature of Christ has been put in you. This is not an opinion. This is a race that we are to run. How many of you, I was just, I, my heart was broken uh, on this guy. How many of you read the news on Lance Armstrong? Wow, really? He was like Mr. Clean. He was amazing. Seven Tour de France's. Ah, and everything stripped from him because of steroids use how many how many sports heroes have you, have been in the news lately right all those baseball players that had these amazing records all these different sports stars what hero do kids have anymore what is it teaching kids if you can get away with it cheat you can't do that in christianity it's a complete contradiction And so we can't have people cheating and saying, I'm a believer. You can't be changing your lanes and saying, I follow Jesus. We have to be well-disciplined people. We have to be people who will run the race in righteousness. Now, we will all fail. We will mess up. But the key to Christianity is we can repent and find ourselves forgiven as we confess our sin. Now that's staying in your lane and following the righteousness of God. And so we can follow after that and be trained and disciplined. Listen, your testimony is the race that needs to be run. And so your testimony needs to be pure. And so you have to work as hard as you can to be well trained and disciplined in your testimony. It matters to the people out there. It matters to saving souls because no one wants to listen to a hypocrite. It is not hypocritical to want to be righteous and live in righteousness and fail at it. That is not hypocritical. That's simply failure. You get back up and you do it again. It's hypocritical if you say you want to be righteous and you really don't care about it. That's the hypocritical part of it. Now, he also says that not only are we to be like the athlete, and he says, but the farmer, the hard-working farmer. In fact, what he says about the farmer is the hard-working farmer should be the first to receive a share of his crops. Now, what he says about the farmer is this. He works hard. And what he works at, I think of Galatians, he says not to grow weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap The reward or the harvest. A farmer has to stick with it. Soldier needs to be faithful. An athlete needs to be disciplined. A farmer needs to be patient. You plant the seed and you got to wait. You work the soil. You've got to endure and persevere. And so that's the mark of a Christian. Don't give up. That's where the enemy that you're fighting as a soldier would want to make you quit. You failed too many times. You're too tired. Nobody really cares what you're doing. Give it up. Nobody's listening to you. Why don't you just quit? But God tells us that His Word will never return void. It will accomplish what He sent it to do. And so when He says those things, you have to listen to God and not the voice of the enemy. A farmer might look at his field and say, there's nothing happening. I planted these seeds two weeks ago and there's nothing happening. You got to wait. I like what James says about farming. James says, Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. The Lord is coming. But the former and latter rains need to come. And I believe we're in the season of the latter rains. Where the Spirit of God is going to move and be poured out and He needs a people who are ready to move in this. He needs a people who will be soldiers, who will be faithful to the Word. No matter what they've seen, they'll continue on. Athletes who will be disciplined and trained to stay In the race and not quit. Farmers who will water the land and patiently toil and and work that soil and care for the growing of that vine so that they will establish their hearts on God. We need a Christianity that is solid, that is true. And it is the day and the hour when we need that kind of Christianity in America. And what you're going to see in that is a great falling away. It's interesting when you look at eschatology or end-time theology and you look at the signs of the end times, there are many signs that we think of. Rumors of wars, different kind of authorities and powers and this and that taking place, earthquakes and tornadoes. Well, that's mentioned a couple times. But the one sign that's mentioned more than all those is those falling away from the faith. Can I tell you why there'll be people falling away? Because they were never Grounded in true Christianity. And when this struggle comes, God's looking for soldiers, athletes, and farmers who are ready to endure. Because the people who came to the club and are no longer happy with it will leave. That's what's gonna happen. And you're gonna go, and it's gonna test your faith, and you're gonna go, uh-oh, what's going on? But a good soldier remembers what his commander ordered him to do. A good athlete has been trained not to look to the right or the left in this race but to stay focused on the finish line. And a farmer says, I don't know what you're growing but I know what my crop is and I'm going to keep watering it. That's what God is looking for. A people who are going to be faithful in their duty, disciplined in their actions and patiently waiting upon God for the harvest. And I pray that that's you. And last of all, you need to reflect on these three things. Paul says to Timothy, reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. I think I'm going to end that on every service. It makes my endings very easy. (laughs) It's up to him to do the rest. (laughs) So I have challenged you this morning in your faith. But Paul has challenged you. The Spirit has challenged you and challenged you to look at yourself. Soldiers don't have excuses. You don't tell your commander, my toe hurts, my foot hurts. I don't want to do that today. I'd rather do this. We have to be a serious-minded people who are called and commissioned by the God of this universe to bring love and salvation to everyone around us. We have to be disciplined and trained. We have to work out and sweat and work hard to be disciplined with our testimony so that we will not fail our God by our testimony. And others will see the race we are running. And last of all, we have to be patient to continue to water and care for this community, care for this ground and this soil. Many people have given up on Michigan. Many people have given up on Detroit. Many people have given up on this east side here because so many people are broken. They've been cheated. They've been lied to. People are losing their homes, losing their jobs. There's not much here. And we've been trying to sow the seed of the gospel and the ground is rock hard. But there's a latter rain coming that is going to water this land and going to cause what we've been planting to grow. So I need a people who are going to be ready for that, a soldier who will be ready to go when the command comes, an athlete who is staying in his lane, and purpose is to finish this race, and a farmer who will reap that harvest and enjoy it. If you're with me, say amen. 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 Let's stand together.